أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد كان في يوسف وإخوته آيات للسائلين إذ قالوا ليوسف وأخوه أحب إلى أبينا منا ونحن عصبه إن أبانا لفي ضلال مبين اقتلوا يوسف أو اطرحوه أرضا يخل لكم وجه أبيكم وتكونوا وتكونوا من بعده قوما صالحين صدق الله العظيم Yesterday we touched on the topic of suspicion and harboring ill thoughts badgumani su'uzdan and the harm that this creates the damage this does this is the seed that shaitan plants and this seed then grows into that jungle with all kinds of snakes and scorpions in it but this is that one seed that shaitan puts in place and goes away so this is something to be very very cautious about that a person doesn't jump to conclusions and make wrong decisions thereafter this is something to be very careful about in the hadith sharif it comes that iyakum wadhan fa inna dhanna akzabul hadith beware of these suspicions because these suspicions are the greatest lie that a person something just comes in his mind he just saw something he drew the wrong conclusion and then from one thing he leads to another so this is a lie within himself because he's got no verification for that he's passing judgment on somebody's intention did he see the person's heart did he see what is the situation the reality in fact this is such a situation such a lesson nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has given in this regard once the sahaba were out on an expedition somewhere and a situation cropped up where one person now suddenly they attacked the enemy out of the blue they attacked the enemy and at that 11th hour we may call it the 11th hour one person from the enemy lines he just recited the kalima now the sword is hanging over his head and out of the blue now this happened they just pounced on the enemy unawares so the sword is now hanging over his head and at that time he recited the kalima so the person the sahabi who now was confronting him he heard this but he took it for that moment that this person is merely just saying it from his tongue in order to save his life now this is the 11th hour the sword is right on his head so he was already in the motion and he continued with that motion and he killed him in any case after this expedition was over this battle was over the sahaba returned and the details were given to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi whatever had transpired the report back so in the process of that report back this incident was also mentioned this is what happened this we had pounced on the enemy unawares and this person was already in the motion of his sword and that person on the opposite end recited the kalima 
but he continued and he killed him. So Nabi Salaam called him, Usama bin Zaid radiallahu ta'ala, and he asked him that, did you do this? So he replied and said, innama qalahu ta'awudhan. He merely said this in order to save his life. In other words, now the sword is hanging on the head and already the sword is in motion. Now the person is writing the kalima. He didn't have any, uh, he didn't come earlier, he didn't do anything to express his iman before that. And now when he is confronted, now at the 11th hour he decided the kalima, what else can it be? He decided just to save his life, meaning there was no sincerity in this. And obviously iman, iman is not merely reciting the kalima, it's reciting the kalima with the belief in the heart. The primary thing is the belief in the heart. The recitation is the expression of the belief. So, that iman in the heart is what is really the iman. So apparently this person was just saying it on his tongue, doesn't in his heart. Rasulullah responded and said to him, Halla shakakta an qalbihi. Halla shakakta an qalbihi. Why didn't you go and open his heart out and see? Akalaha amla. That did his heart also say the kalima or not? You are making a judgment now on his heart. You are saying that no, he only recited this with his tongue. He was not sincere in this. He was not saying it with his heart. So you should have gone and checked up in his heart. Go and cut his heart open and check it out. Now the thing is that if supposing if this had to really be done, if somebody's heart had to be cut open, would it be possible after having cut his heart open also to see whether the heart recited the kalima or not? Iman is not something that is visible in terms of the physical, some physical being that if a person cuts the heart open, he'll see some inscriptions on the heart that the kalima is there. That's not something he's going to see. So what was the message in this? The message in this was that what was in his heart is something impossible for you to know. You can't know it. Even if you cut his heart open too, you can't know it. So on what basis are you making this judgment about what was in his heart? When you cannot know that, then how are you making this judgment? You are making a judgment about his sincerity. Something that is hidden from you, you can make a judgment about a person's action. Somebody is doing something wrong, you can see what he is doing is wrong. He is gambling, he is haram, he can't gamble. The person is lying, well if it becomes established, he lied, it the evidence is there, so now you'll have to condemn that, that you lied, this is wrong. If the person is doing something else, he's oppressing somebody, you'll condemn his action. But what is in his heart? We can't make a judgment on his intention. That what was his intention? Whether he had iman in his heart or not. Now he recited the kalima, Nahnu nahkumu bizzawahir wa nakilu sara'ila ilallahi ta'ala. Nabi Sallallahu this is extracted from his teachings, that we act according to what is apparent. What is in front of us, we'll have to pass judgment on that. The secrets of the heart, we, that we leave it to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala knows, we don't know. So this is where this whole badgumani, a lot of it emanates from here. Now there's a very fine line. One is sometimes there are some clear indications of something which appear that there is some malicious intent, evil intent, there is some kind of uh, wrong idea, somebody is trying to do something here. So a person, in the light of some indications that he has, he may take his precaution. He should do that. It seems like now somebody is 
trying to harm him in some way. There are some things that are giving the signs of this. So he may take his precaution. But he may take his precaution at the same time he is not permitted to pass judgment that this person definitely is a thief or this person is this or that. But he must take his precautions. There's two separate things. He is not sure about the reliability of somebody. He must never bring in his heart a judgment that this person is he's a fraud, something. No, but he can take his precaution. He should act with his precaution by all means. So these are two separate issues. Taking one's precaution, that's a separate issue. And at the same time, not keeping the heart clean. There is no evidence, there is no way we can verify what we are coming to, what we are trying, that conclusion we are making. Then we stay far away from it. This is something which unfortunately is a very common malady. And this is that seed shaitan plants to create that fitna and fasad. And then it just throws open the floodgates of all the mischief and problems. And by the time the damage is done, one realizes very late after that it all started off out of nothing. It started off out of a misconception, started off out of this badgumani, this suzan, this just some suspicion somebody had, and one thing led to another. This is the one part of it that a person should not entertain these suspicions. Clear his heart, make a positive explanation for it, and carry on. Take his precautions if he needs to, and carry on. Not to keep entertaining this. And often this happens when sometimes a person hears something. He heard something about somebody, but he's got no verification for it. Somebody just said something. Then he heard somebody else say the same thing. But he still got no verification for it. Now something he heard once, twice, three times, he's made that as a fact in his heart. On what basis? It's hearsay. And nowadays one person said something, he's the one person who passed it on to the other five. The other five are saying it based on the same one person. Now you heard it from one, two, three, four, five, you think five people said it. But the other four also said it on his basis. So that same one person here say 50 people are repeating and a person says, well, 50 people said it, so now it can't be, true, uh, can't be false. has to be true. But that 50 people also are all saying it started off with this one person. He said it to the second, the second said it to the third and in the next moment it was all gone viral. Now everybody's talking about it, so they say, well, it has to be true. But do we have the verification? On the day of Qiyamah, a person won't be asked that when you did not have uh, any certainty about this person not being free of blame, why you still regarded him as not guilty? That you didn't have any proof that he was not guilty also. You didn't have any proof he was guilty, but you didn't have any proof that he is not guilty also. There was an accusation now against him. So why did you regard him as not guilty? That question will never be asked. That why did you make a positive judgment about him? Why did you entertain a positive thought about him? That question won't be asked to anybody. But if we harbored a negative judgment about someone, we'll be asked about that. that what was your proof for this? That you made this judgment within yourself that this person is this, this person is that. On what basis you did this? So therefore, the safe thing for us, for dunya, to save ourselves from a lot of trouble in dunya, and the main thing is save ourselves from this problem of akhirat, that we get taken to task, is that we make a positive explanation and carry on with it. This is one part of it. But there's another part as well. 
One part is that we should not entertain or harbor these suspicions about others. But the other part of it is that we should not, and nobody for that matter, should put himself deliberately in a situation that creates suspicion. This too is equally wrong. That person who harbors that suspicion thereafter will be guilty still of his crime. And we will be guilty of unnecessarily creating suspicion. Now, there are many things that happen in this way, but just to understand this first in the light of one hadith sharif, once Rasulullah was standing, he was in the masjid, and one of his wives had come to inquire something. So it was at night, so he was now discussing this. And in any case, at that time, two sahaba passed by. So now they recognized Nabi Islam obviously, but they would not have known who the person is next to him. She was covered fully. So nothing would, they merely just passed by. And as they walked along, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi stopped them. Allah rislikuma, hold on. And then he said to them, Innaha Safiyatu bintu Huyay. And listen, this is my wife Safiya bint Huyay. Now when he said this, they immediately realized what is he saying to them. The message was clear that look, you should not have any doubt about who this person is. That is this a strange woman, Na'uzubillah. So when Nabi Islam said this, and they realized what is being said, they got a shock. They got a shock that, could we ever have, a, have even such a thought have crossed our mind, that this could have been somebody, some strange woman. So, they expressed this in that spontaneous reaction, that Subhanallah, in other words, this is possible that you are the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, and that we could even, such a thought could cross our mind, pass our mind and thought also that Nauzubillah, there could have been some strange person here. Despite them having expressed the shock that this is something impossible for us, we could have never ever entertained such a thought. Nabi Islam said to them that shaitan flows in you like your blood flows. Inna shaitana yajri fi ahadikum majrad dam. As your blood flows in your body, that the brothers of Yusuf otherwise this is something to be kept aside the other part of this is this aspect of jealousy itself the sin of jealousy among the sins that are regarded as the roots of all sin that these are the sins that are the roots of all sin one is takabur pride the other is hirs greed and the third is hasad. Now there's so many sins, numerous sins. But the roots of these sins, all these sins, the roots of it are these three. These three things give rise to all these other things. Now just to understand it a little bit, for example, anger, uncontrolled anger. Anger, the anger that is just willy-nilly, just on anyone and everyone, Without any reason, the person is just small, small things. This kind of anger stems from pride. This anger stems from pride. Now, pride is at root. That anger stems from that pride. A person commits zulm, an oppression on others. That oppression also comes out of pride. I am greater, I am better. Who's, what right this person had to say this to me? And, oh, I will show 
I'm better, I'm great. This is all takabur. I'm looking down on others. So that zulm also often stems from pride. Then many things a person does, he involves himself in haram, taking haram, haram transactions, stealing somebody's things. All this comes from that hirs, that greed. Lack of contentment, that is greed. If there's no contentment, greed will be in his place. That greed now will lead a person from one thing to another. He's either greed for wealth, greed for fame, greed for other kinds of things. So in some way or the other, he'll be committing so many sins. But it's all stemming from that hirs. And then hasad, this gives rise to so many things. It gives rise to, now a person, because of that hasad now, now that jealousy is burning within him, so that jealousy now dictates something. What it dictates is that this ni'mad, this bounty somebody else has been blessed with, should be removed from there. Why was he given this? So either he will try himself in some way to deprive that person or to remove it from him. If he can't do it directly, he will try to incite somebody else. Now in order to get that happening, he'll make ghibat of the person. Because now he needs to run him down in some way. He'll make ghibat of him. He'll make bohtan also. So now this bohtan and ghibat is stemming from where? From this hasad. It stems either from the takabur or it stems from this hasad. And then, if that doesn't happen, he'll just now start becoming very, very, uh, having a lot of malice in his heart for the person. That malice came from where? It stemmed from this hasad. Now this one sin gives rise to so many sins. So these are the roots. These are three things. Asluz dunub. These are the three things that are the roots of all these sins. So this is not a small thing. This is the back aspect to understand here that there are so many hundreds of sins but those hundreds of sins, these are the three things that are the roots. This is one of them. So this, if this is one of the roots of one of three, how serious it is? That is the aspect to understand. That if this is one of the three roots of sin, then how serious it is? It's not a small thing, it's a very major thing. And therefore, one has to continuously keep cleaning his heart out of this. Shaitan again, it doesn't all happen in one moment. Shaitan is also a very crafty fellow. If just in one moment he has to come and try and drag somebody go and commit zina, it won't happen. But first he'll make him commit some haram glances. And then he'll whisper some thoughts. And then he'll say, well look, same story, that person you see is walking. Not nice now, so long, it's a little bit dark or so, you must now show some sympathy. Now he'll want to give a lift. So it won't happen all in one go. It will all gradually build up. All kinds of sins. The theft, he won't go and steal something just in one go. It will first lead from one thing to another, then to the third. Likewise, this hasad doesn't all just come in the heart at one go. It will be on small little dot first will come. Some thing that, well, this person got this, but I didn't have something like this. And it will pass, and then something more, and then it will grow further. And then until it becomes full-blown hasad. Full-blown hasad is where now he is actually wishing that this ni'mat does not remain with this person. Now, the severity of this is to be understood. That what is this actually? This is, now for example, one is now a father or whatever, some senior personality, whatever, something. He gave somebody a gift. So, the imam of the haram came for example now. And he gave one person a gift. So now somebody else stands there in front of him and objects to it. 
Why did you give so-and-so a gift? Now how will everybody take it? What's your problem? This person gave him a gift. That's his prerogative. Now, what a serious thing. How it will be judged? This will become viral. This person, where is his mind? How does he think? That Imam of the Haram gave somebody a gift and he's objecting. What right he's got to object? Now, if the Imam of the Haram gave somebody a gift and somebody else objects, it will become a very, very major thing. It will go viral. Can we imagine the reality now? Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with a gift and his creation is objecting against him. Allah Ta'ala has given somebody something and we want to object against it. Why was this person... That, that feeling that why is this with him, it should have been removed. Why is he being blessed with this good? That is something now which is tantamount to an objection against Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is a creator. Allah Ta'ala is a sustainer. He has blessed it. It is his prerogative. It is his makhluk. So what right we have to desire that this should not remain with the person? Now, outwardly it appears to be just well, one of those things. Just a thought. It's not just a thought. It's a fire. And as mentioned, it is one of those major sins, those three sins which are the root of all the other sins. Pride, greed and hasad. Pride, greed and hasad. This is something we have to keep checking within ourselves. How much of this is in my heart? And we should never ever regard ourselves as free of it. We should always be concerned about how to get it out. This is where our problem lies, that many a times we feel, well, all this applies to somebody else. Myself, I'm fine. So this hasad, this is now where it led to. Now their father is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. They are becoming oblivious of all this. That now we are going to take this child away. We are planning to kill him. Kill him, why? Where does this stem from? Out of the hasad. This root. Hasad gives rise to all these sins. Like that takabur gives rise, that greed gives rise. This hasad now is giving rise to that sin. Now they are planning to kill him. And then in the process, what they are going to do? They are going to give this taklif to a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. But a person becomes oblivious of all this. This fires of these sins when it burns in the heart, it blinds the person to all these realities. And as a result, a person just goes deeper and deeper into it. Inshallah, we'll continue with this tomorrow. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, mashadullah, bihamdi, mashadullah, bihamdi, mashadullah, bihamdi, mashadullah, bihamdi,